Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. This week has seen a flurry of regulatory developments, both at the EU and national level. Today's episode focuses on France and changes to President Macron's new government, as well as a belated look at his election victory. What does a new cabinet mean for France's energy transition and the expansion of renewables? As is fairly well known, France has been plagued by issues at its nuclear fleet, changing from being an exporter of power to a net importer. So are the plans for up to 14 new reactors realistic or feasible? So joining me, Richard Sverson, to discuss France's energy strategy is Emmerich Divigan of Core E. So uh, let, let's start by, by looking at the, the new government, um, especially the new prime minister. What, what does this mean for, for energy strategy in France, uh, Emmerich? Well, uh, let's be clear, we only have a new prime minister uh, as of today. We don't really have a new government, so it's, it's, it's pretty difficult to, uh, uh, to estimate what this, this really means. Um, Generally speaking, I think this Prime Minister, Elisabeth Born, is quite likely to continue uh, the renewable uh, expansion in France, or unlikely to stop it, put it that way. Um, regarding the, the new nuclears, nuclear, it's a little bit uh, less clear. I think it will depend on who is, act, who is the actual ministry in charge of it. And also the big question is, uh, who will be the next CEO of EDF? Okay, so we need to have those details really before we can uh, have a have a closer dig deep into into the issues there. But um, I mean, but I, I've heard that uh, Elizabeth Bourne that she's in charge of sort of green planning. Uh, what, what does this really mean? Well, green planning means the the, the 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 political strategy to push for more renewables or to decarbonate the the, the economy. Um, I'm not expecting any 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 major change uh, compared to what we've seen in the last few years, five to ten years. I think we're going to see a strong push for more solar generation, potential uh, acceleration actually. Uh, you know, they want to make sure that it gets easier than before to actually get the permits to, to, to build uh, the, the, the new solar farms. I'm not expecting any, you know, any strong shock from a renewable point of view. There are elections coming up in June, uh, Emmerich. Uh, what can we expect here? I know it's mainly, you know, there's talking that, you know, we could see an increased polarization um, of the country. But uh, would there be any sort of energy impacts here? This is, this is very politically uh, political question. We, uh, as you said, we, we've seen that uh, some political leaders are strongly against nuclear generation, uh, whereas most of the others are in favor of continuation of, uh, of, of the development of, uh, of, of nuclear fleets or, or at least the renewal of uh, the renewal fleets. So differently, they think, uh, most of people think we do need uh, some nuclear generation if we want to decarbonate the economy. So there's really two, um, uh, two, two, two different positions uh, there. One, you know, it, it's, uh, it's led by Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who is strongly uh, against nuclear generation. Um, in, in, in his public uh, um, positions, all the others seems to be uh, in favour of it. And he, you know, he has quite strong support in France. I mean, he came third in the presidential election. So, I mean, what what could a potential, if he were to, you know, uh, provide a, 
or get a strong share of the vote, could that add pressure on, on the nuclear plants? I, I I don't think so, because the way the, the elections in June do work, I mean, is is quite unlikely to get a majority and is actually quite unlikely to get a, a very large amount of deputies in the parliament. So he, he, he will have, a, I mean, his voice will be listened at. But I don't think he will really be in a position to actually decide the energy policy of the country. You know, it's it, it's clear that there could be more uh, a more divided country. But what you know, I'm just thinking potentially Macron's position could be could be weakened. Yeah. Yes, it could be it could be weakened. Uh, but 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 I, I don't see I, I don't see uh, Jean Luc Mélenchon having the majority in the parliament. I don't see any other party having the majority in the parliament. So. It's also quite unlikely to be. He is also quite unlikely to be in a very, very weak position. In fact, John Luc Mélenchon, that is. Uh, sorry, no, uh, Emmanuel Macron. I think he, he, sh- he should be in a position to take decisions, at least from an energy point of view. So, I mean, what does this then mean, for example, for the very ambitious plan- plans to to build six new EPRs or European pressurized reactors? And potentially with an option of up to eight more. Um, do you think? What, what's your view on these on the on these this target? Um, I think so far, uh, I just see it as a public announcement that was uh, actually done before the presidential election, uh, and everything still has to be done. Uh, the financing is not clear. Uh, the the the. the People who would be in charge of this project are unknown yet. So to me, there's there's nothing clearly uh, ready to achieve this plan yet. Uh, so I think before we in a, the country is in a position to start building new nuclear reactors again, it needs it, it needs a to um, uh, decide what will happen to EDF. Uh, you know, there's some pretty ambitious uh, reforms that Macron wants to do, uh, wanted to do, could it stand by, quite likely to do uh, in, the, in, the, in the coming months. And once that is done, I guess we can start discussing on, on what's, the, uh, what's the plan to, uh, to build new, new, new reactors and how we finance them, who is in charge. But as you mentioned before, the issue is more in the short term. What do we do with the current uh, fleet? You know, how do we fix the issues? Exactly. Well, you know, I'd like to return to, to that a bit later, Emmerich, but um, if we can, can focus, you know, on, on, on the, maybe on, on the reforms of EDF, what, what's on the table to those listeners who haven't been fo- closely following developments in France? What are, what are the options or what, are, what has Macron kind of said that he'd like to do with, with, the, with the, the utility? There's a lot of different options in the when you look at details, but generally speaking, the what seems to be the only realistic option is to split nuclear generation. Uh, and, and whether it will be 100% nationalized or not, that remains a question. But it's quite likely that we see um, you know a, a split between the different activities of EDF, renewable on the one hand, nuclear on the other hand, with the nuclear quite likely to be, um, in my opinion, fully nationalized and, 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 you know, quite regulated in the way it's uh, sold to the market, uh, on the way the, the nuclear generation is sold to the market. I mean, this is linked to the, the RN that comes to an end in 2025, and something has to be done to find a new mechanism. Absolutely. So what, I mean, so th- there's a kind of bad bank option. Is this what we're, we're talking about here, Amrik, or is that, is that, would that be unfair? 
I think it's quite unfair because uh, nuclear is not is not bad in itself, but it needs uh, you know looking at what is now with a huge amount of money that needs to be invested to a fix the issue, b expand the lifespan uh, of the different units. Um, can be seen as a as a bad bad bank for the next few years, but generally speaking, nuclear generation should be a profitable business. Uh, I'm just wondering as well, Emmerich. I mean, whenever there are changes to EDF structure or you know plants are planned to close, there's often a very strong union reaction. So, how, how do you see this panning out in the years to come? That will the unions react to sort of any changes in the structure of EDF or how it operates as a company? Yes, they will definitely react, and we're quite likely to see some. Uh, some, some some strikes here and there quite regularly actually um, now I don't think all the unions have exactly the same view from what I've heard recently I'm not sure we'll see all the unions striking together and, 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 and you know uh, sharing the same the, the, the same view on what should be done so um, in my opinion I think a, a structural change at EDF is doable uh, um, because I mean, part of it really is common sense. Uh, most of the unions, now it's needed. They, 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 they know how much money is, is needed to finance the, 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 the nuclear generation. So I'm, 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 I would say I'm rather optimistic. I'm not saying that uh, Macron will be able to run the, the, the pension uh, reform and the EDF reform at the same time, the same week. But, but, but I think it's, uh, it, it, it's feasible within the course of a few months. So got some tough battles ahead uh, anyway, so uh, yes. Now, um, we talked a little bit, or I mentioned the intro that, uh, you know, EDF has become, or France, you know, a net uh, importer of power from, it, from its neighbors. And, you know, the EDF output targets are, are the lowest in, in 30 years. Now, do, do you expect the company to reach this target of 295 to 315 terawatt hours? Yes, I think so. Uh, there's a part of me that think they might be able to produce a bit more, in fact. Um, but we, we, we're still quite, quite blind, actually, about, uh, about what, what will happen in the next, in the next few months. Uh, we know there's this stress corrosion issue on top of various other issues. And regarding this stress corrosion issue, we had the ASN, the regulator, uh, giving a speech yesterday. Would stay, we, we, we literally said they're still uh, running studies and checks uh, to see if the units can run safely with this corrosion. And if that's the case, I wouldn't be surprised that we have, a, I wouldn't say high availability this winter, but maybe decent availability this winter. Uh, however, that's, that, that, that doesn't mean the, 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 the issue doesn't have to be fixed. So, you know, but could be that they can still run the issues and spread the works over the next several years. So I don't think we'll, we'll see a terrific increase in the nuclear generation in the next three to four years, but we might be in a position to avoid the worst this winter. Well, fingers crossed, because I think uh, you know, parts of Europe are very, you know, not just France, but its neighbors are also very dependent on, on, on French nuclear power. Okay, okay, yeah, but uh, you you think that we'll keep at this kind of around three hundred terawatt hours for the for the coming coming years? Then probably a bit more, maybe maybe you know uh, some somewhere between three thirty and three forty, three fifty. 
uh, in the next few years, which, which is quite low when you look at it. Uh, we used to be above 400 terawatt hour in, in what we can call the, the old days now. <laughs> the good old days, exactly. Yeah. Um, but when, Emmerich, I mean, recently, I think it was earlier this month or certainly at the end of last month, um, EDF uh, was fined for, for breaches of, of insider information. Are you happy with the way the company puts out information um, on its remit website, which is the remit, uh, you know, the information on outages, etc. Because, you know, as you were saying, is we're you know we're a bit blind sometimes. We don't really know exactly uh, what the issues are, especially with the, the corrosion or other issues. Yeah, well, it's it's a tricky question, and I'm not the regulator, but uh, I would say they 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 they're doing a good job in in publishing outages in real time when they when 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 they happen. Uh, where it's a bit more difficult for for market participants is to um, get information about the different talks that happen between them, the ASN, uh, I guess the government too, where it's not actual firm information that they have to publish, but it's more assumptions that they're discussing. Um, and, and you know, you really feel that there's a lot going on going on in the back that that doesn't get uh, doesn't get um, uh, communicated to the market. And also, let's be honest, uh, you guys at Montel have very good sources sometimes from unions, especially. And, and yes, it's always surprising to see a listed company, uh, to, see, to get some information from a listed company by unions rather than by the corporate communication uh, department. Absolutely. I think that's our, our reporters done a, done, a, done a great job there, um, putting out that, that kind of information on, on what is the issue. But what do you make of these corona issues? Is it... Is it serious, or, or do we just not know uh, the implications of the corrosion at the uh, at the plants? Um, it, it definitely is serious, uh, and, uh, and and it wasn't expected uh, at, at, at that stage. Because uh, let, let's uh, let's remind um, let, let me remind you that the old oldest units are not affected. From what we have, it's only the, the the most recent units that are affected. So yes, it's serious. Um, whether the, the units can run safely with this issue is still under investigation. Uh, I guess EDF will say, say yes. The regulator will, 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 will look into it and, and will give his decision, uh, will give his view on that. Um, but in any case, uh, fixing the issues is quite a heavy job uh, because it's in the nuclear part of, of, of the units. So, you know, you can't get workers to spend 12 hours fixing the pipes there. So it's not something you can fix fix in a, in a in a few days or weeks or even months. So I think it it it, it requires a very very large scale plan from EDF. And and fixing it and dealing with it also then will require the plants to, to be offline while that's done as well. Yes. So hopefully they'll schedule it at a time, not maybe in, in the coldest days in the winter, but I'm sure I'm sure they know that. Don't it? Yeah, they're very good at doing that. Uh, so, so I, I have no concerns there. But, 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 but what we're seeing these days is that the, the power prices are very high, even in the summer. So, uh, you know, there's really two things: there's the, the security of supply uh, aspect, which they will deal with. But, but in any case, not having the units running in the summer is also very costly for 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 the country and for for the continent. But for sure, I mean, that's uh, we're very dependent on that, as as we mentioned earlier. But you mentioned, you know, you expected to see a, a big expansion in solar. What about wind in France? What what are the plans here? I mean, you must have very good offshore uh, conditions on the on the on the north coast and on the Atlantic coast. 
Yes, they, 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 they are plans. From from what I'm, I'm seeing, they they are a little bit less uh, uh, ambitious uh, than for the solar. I guess the reason is that it's more difficult to get the permit and to get the public acceptance for offshore wind farms, and, and that it is for than it is for solar. And is is Macron hoping to deal with this? I mean, it's the the, the, the same old uh, "not in my backyard" kind of uh, protest, the, the nimbyism. Is is there a way? I know that they've had similar problems in Italy, for example, and they're looking to speed that up. Is that is that on the agenda of the new Macron presidency? I've more heard that for solar than for wind, to be perfectly honest with you. But I'm, I, I might not not have heard everything. I'm not might not be aware of everything. But uh, I think there's a strong willingness to push for 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 that for solar, um, for wind. I think a little bit less. If we can talk, move on to you know the energy crisis in Europe uh, and what it uh, how France has dealt with it what what has been the you know the 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 major impact of, of the crisis in France I and mean, we can see obviously the you know the massive increase in prices and and the moves to to cap some of the retail prices but what are, what are the other moves how how is France dealing with it um it's a, it's a good question. So uh, l- l- first, l- let's be clear. There's two crises that are actually somehow linked. There's a gas crisis, you know, with prices going absolutely mental there, linked to a nuclear crisis. Um, before last spring, I'd say it was only a gas crisis, you know, where we, we saw gas prices going up. Then we started having the nuclear issues, which is adding to the gas crisis, because the less nuclear generation you have available, the more gas you need to replace it. I'm talking not only from a French point of view, but from a a European point of view. Um, So, so far, the way France has been dealing with it, from the retail point of view, you you mentioned it, there's been some some cap implemented on the prices. From a wholesale point of view, well, we just replaced the nuclear that was missing um, by some gas coming either from French gas units or from uh, surrounding countries, you know, importing significant amount of power from Spain, from Germany, from 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 the UK, and we. But but again, it's not specific to France. Um, from a European point of view, we just imported a lot of LNG from the from the US to try and uh, and refill the storages. And, and so far, the plan has been going going okay, I'd say. Uh, also because the imports from Russia, Russia have not really been cut. So, so far we're in a position to refill the storages and, uh, and, and think we might be okay by the end of the, by the end of the summer. Long story short, we, we, from a pure power point of view, there isn't a lot that has been, been done. Uh, by that, I mean, we haven't seen any major demand response or sobriety uh, initiatives, which is quite surprising. Um, there's been a l- little bit of demand destruction, very marginal in my point of view. From the analysis we're running with my company, we're seeing, I'd say, almost zero. I know some companies are seeing a few percent. It's very difficult to get to, to, to calculate exactly how much it is because there's a strong weather impact. Um, but so far, from, from a consumer point of view, because there's been some cap, some cap on the prices, both, well, for residential customers, but also for professional customers. It's not directly a cap, but you know, with the RN, the extra volume of RN, they've been quite protected from, from my prices. So it's been more or less business as usual. I think it can be very different next winter. 
Yep, that's the, the scary part. But so you haven't, that's interesting, you haven't seen industry or industrial demand fall at all in France as a result of the energy crisis. I haven't seen anything, anything very significant. I haven't seen anything very significant. I think the, 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 at the European point of view, the gas demand is, is done by around 6%, which is quite a lot, uh, or significant. Um, the power demand is down maybe 1%, 1 to 2% from what we're seeing at the moment. It'll be in a few, in a few weeks when there's no eating demand left at all in Europe, we'll, we'll have a much clearer view. Perfect. I'd, I'd just like to finish, really, Emmerich, by talking about um, uh, the Aran mechanism. I mean, for those listeners who are unaware what this is, this is, a, a, you know, a, a number of years back, the European Commission forced EDF to sell uh, a proportion of its power to industrials at, at a fixed price. Uh, what, how do you see this? this? You said this is going to end in 2025. The debate's becoming quite fierce and what should replace it or should we continue with it? What's, what's the current state of play here, Emmerich? The, the, the first unknown is the volume for 2023 because, you, you, you know, the volume, the RN volume was 100 terawatt hour. It went up to uh, 120 terawatt hour for 2022. We don't know what is going to happen for 2023. Now, for the future of the mechanism, there's a very strong consensus, I'd say, um, for uh, improving the mechanism, uh, improving it in two ways. Uh, a, rising the price, and it's important, and B, making it less optional for, for, for the buyers. Because the issue with this mechanism at the moment is that the retailers, they have the choice to buy iron or not. So when the, when the market is, is under the iron price, retailers just don't buy. Uh, which is, uh, plus there's a lot of other uh, bits of optionality in the, in the mechanism. I think it would be fair to, uh, to have a mechanism that is a kind of guarantee for EDF of, of revenue over five to 10 years. And, uh, and that is linked to the market price. There's a long-term contract, if you like. Yeah, yeah, bit, uh, yeah, bit long-term contract, contract for difference. Yeah, I think there's a lot of options there, but uh, 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 clearly most of the, the consumers or the retailers, the, the, the industrials, I think would be happy with such a mechanism. So what? But what's EDF's view here? What do they think? I know you're not a representative of EDF, but what? What? What does they? <laughs> clearly not. But uh, what? What? What do they? How do they view this mechanism and changes to it? I mean, first, EDF is not one person, so there's a <laughs> lot of different views there. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but but I'd say the CEO is not completely against it. In fact, um, I think he realizes that uh, it's. Uh, uh, it's a mechanism that that makes sense for the consumer, and that ultimately the, the the money saved compared to market price goes into the consumer's pocket. Uh, unlike what some what a lot of people say, which is completely wrong, the money doesn't go to the retailers. There, you know, they don't make money by buying iron at forty two and selling it on the market at two hundred euros per megawatt hour. It doesn't work like that. So it's, I think it's a, uh, it's a mechanism that isn't quite right at the moment in the way it's designed. There's too much optionality for the buyers. The price can always be discussed, um, but uh, it's, quite, uh, it's quite likely to, to continue past 2025 with some adjustments. Emmerich, perfect. Um, we look forward to discussing you know, more, more deeply when we have a 
better idea of 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 the of the the, the new government in terms of energy minister and the new uh, CEO of EDF, etc. So uh, maybe sometime later in the year. But uh, for now, thank you, thank you very much for a, for a fantastic overview of what's happening in France. Thank you, Emmerich. You're welcome. Have a good day. Literally minutes after we recorded this episode. EDF lowered its production targets for this year by 5% to 280 to 300 terawatt hours, citing corrosion checks on a dozen reactors, which could impact production until 2024. Um, a, 20, a 280 terawatt hour output would be the lowest for 34 years and well below last year's level of 360.7. The firm maintained its 300 to 330 terawatt estimate for next year. But it warned that considering the overall control and repair program, nuclear generation for 2024 may be impacted. So that's just to give you some background that things that happened very quickly in this sector.